name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, amen. So today we celebrate the exaltation of the Holy Cross, celebrating two events. First, in the fourth century, when St. Helena found the precious cross in Jerusalem, it was buried under a, a pagan temple, and to discover which of the three crosses that were uncovered was the cross of Christ, they took somebody passing in the funeral procession and put one cross on the dead man and nothing happened the second, on a dead man nothing happened the third, and that the dead man rose from the dead. So this is the precious cross. By the way, a piece of which we have as a relic, an art from, blessing from Mother Victoria. And uh, St. Mercurius, in the icon you'll see, holds the cross up and for people to celebrate and honor. Uh, that was in the fourth century, uh, early 300s. Um, the second is the recovery of the cross from the Persians in 328, when the emperor Heraclius uh, recovered the uh, cross and brought it back to Jerusalem. Uh, uh, on his way to take the cross, uh, following the steps of Christ, he was uh, miraculously stopped in his tracks. He could not move forward. Uh, and a patriarch, Zacharias, was given a vision from uh, an angel saying that he needs to take all his royal clothes off and come in as Christ did, barefoot and in, uh, in pauper's clothes. So he did. With great joy, he took the cross and established it again in its rightful place in Jerusalem. So those two stories, uh, accounts, uh, are what we celebrate today. But we always, in a sense, understand the cross is a celebration. Um, it's a sad moment in uh, human history when creation killed its creator. But a power that was given to us through that, that death was, uh, is what we celebrate and honor today. So I want to take you back, I was thinking of this uh, to the, hum, the, uh, the uh, account last week when uh, the Lord uh, gives this parable about a vine dresser who um, uh, rents his vineyard out to some, uh, some uh, servants and um, sends uh, uh, one of his servants to get uh, the prophet and the per servant is killed. Okay, another servant, servant is killed. Another servant, uh, and finally his son. And they kill his son. And so the question the Lord asks the, uh, the, the Pharisees is, what will they do to that, those wicked, what will they do to those servants? And he says, he will destroy those wicked men miserably and leases vineyards out to other vine dressers. Well, what did the Lord really do? This is profound. What did the Lord do when he died? He died for them. He died for them. He died for us. He opened to us the blessing of paradise. He opened to us in our, our, our sins, the door of salvation. He opened to us redemption. 
salvation, enlightenment. This is what he did. Even the Pharisees said, what should they do to him? What should they do to those servants? They should throw them, cast them out. And what did Christ do? He took them in. He took them in. He said, no, we, that's not what I do. That's not why I died. I didn't die because uh, I wanted to cast people out. I died because I wanted to bring them in. This is a very different response. Because even the Pharisees said what should have happened was cast out. And he said, no, what happened was to come in. So he opened the door for us. This is a very profound action of our God. So what happened at the cross? Death was brought, that brought to life, sorrow to joy, and condemnation to redemption. So I want to speak a little bit about each of these three. So death. He delivered us from the snares of death and swallowed up the fear of death. This is what the cross did and does. It's what Christ did on the cross. He took death and made it life. He, he took this, this moment of great tragedy and made it a, a, a moment of great victory. So we venerate that cross. We, we glorify that cross. We glorify Christ's victory over death. So how can we kind of bring that into our own life? Remember one time Father Hopko said, uh, he was teaching about this, and he said, on my desk, uh, a blessed memory, so on his old desk, <laughs> he doesn't have a desk anymore. Maybe he does. Maybe God gave him a desk. Knowing Father Hopko, he probably got a desk. On my desk, I have a picture of a two-year-old girl that passed away due to an illness. He says, you know why I have that picture there? It was a friend of mine whose daughter passed. Every time I look at that, I want her life not to be in vain. I want, I want to make my life better. When I see that, I want to make my life better. You know, for us, we need to understand this. No Christian death to us, no death to us is in vain. It should inspire us. Because for them, it's a gate into paradise. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to the cross. But, you know, the Lord says, if a grain of, white, if a grain of wheat dies, it stands alone. When it, when it dies and falls into the ground, it bears much fruit. You know what? When somebody dies, you know the ground that that death falls into? You. It falls into your life. Those things, those virtues that that person uh, had should become yours. You need to emulate those things. You look at that person and say, look at all the good qualities here. I want to practice these things. I want these things to be mine. I don't want that death to be in vain. I want that death to mean something to me. You know, we, we have stood next to many who've died. We've seen the courage that they, where they faced death. We saw, we see the humility, the, the standing uh, strong in the midst of difficult times, uh, in the midst of pers uh, uh, moving toward death. We see this. We take those qualities on ourselves and say, Lord, help me emulate those things I saw in that person. No death should be in vain.
Very powerful thing for us as Christian people. And then he turns sorrow to joy. He wipes away the tears of sorrow to become for us a fountain of light. So Christ, in the midst of this great tragedy of death, in three days he is raised from the dead and brings that sorrow of the disciples and the myrrh bearers and all his people to joy. Christ is risen. Say it. Christ is risen. Indeed he is. No, don't, you don't have to say. Christ is risen. Indeed he is risen. Christ is risen. Indeed he is risen. Christ is risen. You guys are so, I'm, I'm not very, doing a very good job of orchestrating today. So this risen Christ, this joy born of sorrow, how, did, how does this work? True joy is born of sorrow. You know, uh, a couple of things for me. One is over 30 years, maybe 35 years ago, we had a dream to build a church 30 plus years ago. And we went through many, many sorrows. Many sorrows. But look, joy. The joy. This is beautiful. This is a miracle. This is an act of God. And so God had to take us through kind of the valley of sorrow to get to this joy. So thanks be to God for that. But there's another sorrow that's it's a little bit more difficult for us, and that's a sorrow that stays with us. That really, there's really a bit of no resolve for it. So how do we find joy in that sorrow? The sorrow that kind of sits in us. Maybe somebody passed, maybe some event that, is, um, that is, just gives us a sadness, a sorrow. How do we find joy in that? You find Christ there. Because you know what Christ is? He's in the sorrow. He's a man of sorrows. He died on the cross for that very moment. Those very things that trouble you, that, that make you sorrowful, Christ is in that sorrow. And when you find him in the sorrow, guess what you're going to find? Joy. You'll find joy right there in the middle of it. It's a very powerful thing. When we look at the struggle, the difficulties, the sorrows of life, and we turn into Christ and find him right there in the sorrow. And he lifts us. And he gives us joy. So thanks be to God. And then condemnation to redemption. Our Lord in the, in the cross drove away the demons, became a stronghold against adversaries, and became the fountain of holiness for us. Condemnation to redemption. Our Lord was condemned, and in, his condemn, in, in being condemned and died on the cross, he redeemed us. He lifted us. He saved us. So I was thinking about this uh, just personally, about redemption. And this idea that on the cross, Christ died for us and forgave our sins. And the beauty of us being able to turn that around and forgive others. 
That's a powerful, powerful Christian action to forgive those that have offended us. Uh, but I want, to add, I want to encourage you in one thing. Because this has happened to me uh, just recently, and, I want to, and I'm very grateful. If you have offended another person or feel like there's something, my encouragement is to go and ask that person to forgive you. I'm saying this because this lifts a huge cloud away from relationships and really lifts a cloud off of the kingdom itself. The power of going to someone and saying, please forgive me. Is, it's such a beautiful thing. Is there anything in us, in anything, anything that I've done for anybody? And I'm investigating my life. So if you get a call this week, no. Uh, the importance here is to look deep inside yourself. Is there anyone that I have offended and that I need to ask forgiveness for? It lifts a huge cloud from your own soul, yes. And opens a door in that person's life, which is beautiful, but also uh, enhances the grace of the kingdom. So my encouragement to you is to look there. Look there. Take that, that moment to step into the redemption Christ has given to us. So today, may we find life in death. May we find joy in sorrow. May we find redemption out of our condemnation. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.